face-to-face, healthy relationship talk radio with one of the leading specialists and foremost authorities in healthy techniques in relationships. Learn why honor, beauty, leadership, and self-help is important for your empowerment. Get practical information on why you attract your opposite with balancing self-love and health. Also, listen to proven strategies to avoid major interrelationship mistakes that keep you bonded and push people away. Now, here's your relationship specialist and host, Daiya Six. You know, I always like to come on, you guys, and say, bonjour, bonjour, comment allez-vous? <laughs> Hola, yambo. You guys know all of those languages. Hello, what's up? How are you all doing? Welcome to Face to Face Healthy Relationship Talk Radio. I am your relationship specialist and host, Daia Six. Today's topic is your relationship with love. You guys know that is one of my favorite four-letter words besides food. (laughs) What do you mean by that? Some of you guys go, okay, well, what do you mean your relationship with love? Okay, listen, you have to stay tuned and find out because first we have to get down to business, (laughs) okay? But no, this is what I want to say before we go on, you guys. I hope and I assume with so much that's going on in this world, and and the reason why I'm bringing this up, because I receive text messages, I receive phone calls, people are saying, Daya, can you talk about this on your relationship show? Can you talk about this on your show? And I'm just like, it was just the world, our ideologies, what are we attracting to ourselves sometimes? We have to stop and think and question, okay? But I just want to say this to all of my listeners. I hope and assume that each and every one of you are doing well because it is a beautiful day today. And you know what? I am not saying that because I am in beautiful weather or because, you know, maybe I got a lot of money in my account or whatever the case may be. No, I am saying that because my eyesight is working to the best of my to the best of its ability. Right. My heart is pumping. I'm alive. My children are safe and healthy. We are fed. And guess what? Today. I have the ability to love. So do you get where I'm going here? So I ask all of my beautiful listeners, are you having a great day? Okay, let's remind ourselves of what to be so grateful for these days. And that because, you know, to me, you guys, you guys know that that right there is the beauty in life, right? Okay. Oh, and speaking of beauty, hi, let's get down to business. There is an international beauty pageant on the rise. It's called Miss Indigenous International Beauty Pageant. It is the only pageant glorifying women with natural hair, with natural beauty. And the competition will be held in Los Angeles, California. Women from all over and around the world will compete while building a platform for their success. So if you are between the ages of 18 and 30, by the month of October, come and gain valuable experiences and develop important life skills while developing a sense of responsibility for helping others. How tasteful is that? Remember, there will be gifts, there will be prizes and money and so much more. So find new opportunities by going to www.missindigenous.com. Okay. That was a breathtaker, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. I don't know about some of you, but you know, a lot of you guys have been hitting me up. I am looking forward to that competition. Now, what I want to ask are you beautiful geniuses? How many of you know how to love? 
you know, some of us can say the word, right? We use the word so blatantly. We can spell the word out, I'm hoping, right? Some of us think that, you know, we can define it. But what is it, you know, the question is, what is it about being love? What is love? Do we know how to be love? What is being love? Today, we talk about love, right? And we have a special guest that will be able to clarify some of this up. He is definitely a humanitarian with a beautiful message for us all. And what's so tasteful about this man is after his out-of-body experiences, he learned a deeper understanding of what love really is. And he's going to share with us how to move from fear to love. So I want all of you beautiful people to please welcome our guest, our messenger and author of Love is the Power, Mr. Robert Williams. How you doing, Mr. Williams? Doing great. uh, Thank you so much for having me on your show. You know what? I had to have you on my show. You know, anyone that is brave enough to talk to talk about something that most people aren't talking about, I have a platform for you. (laughs) I have a platform for you, you know? (laughs) So I want to welcome you to the show. I am excited to have you on the show. And you know what? I will, I'm going to have to say this, Mr. Williams. I was so pleased and grateful when um, I found out that you were brave enough to talk about your experiences because, you know, sometimes we can live in a world that is, you know, cruel, you know, very judgmental, you know, and we all know that, uh, that that all comes from fear. It can also come from lack of love, love with themselves. You know, people sometimes do not want to sit and try to understand other individuals based off, you know, personal experiences or the things that they're personally going through, you know. So, you know, I want to get down to it because I know that my listeners, they probably really want to know, especially, you know, anytime I talk about, you know, somebody you know, having an outer body experience or, you know, people say, or um, near death experience, you know, and you know what, let me ask you this. Some people say out of body experience. Some people say near death experience. And you know what, I had to ask myself one day, like, hey, is there a difference in that? What do you think? You think there's a difference between those two? Or do you think it's the same thing? Well, sometimes there's a difference uh, depending upon who's defining life and death. Mm-hmm. I've had many out-of-body experiences where my physical body was still alive, you know, barely breathing, but the heart was beating. And then I've had some experiences where my breath and heart did stop. So perhaps that's the technical difference. Okay, now you know you know I'm going to ask you this question. How did you know? Because, you know, most of the time, and, and, and let me just say this, Mr. Williams, because I remember when I was not unconscious, right, when I was 13 years old, I've, I've had a few close experiences. And um, I remember being knocked out because I hit a tree. You know, I was a tomboy, so I was rough. Oh, boy, I was a rough little old girl. <laughs> And I, yeah, and I hit this oak tree on a 10 speed bike going down this huge hill. I think the chain broke or something. I couldn't turn. And anyways, I hit the tree. Boom. I was knocked out, woke up, you know, in the hospital. I don't remember anything from hitting. The last thing I remember is hitting the tree, waking up to my grandmother singing to me in the hospital, you know? So when people 
tend to have incidents or, or, or an incident, you know, how do you know, like when you say your heart stopped or, you know, when you just described all those things, like how, you know, how did you accumulate that information? How did you know all that? Sure. Well, the, the first near death experience I had, um, I wasn't in the hospital or there was no ambulance. So I can only tell you that there was a similar experience when I was rushed to the hospital and they did a, you know, they, they see if your pulse is going and all that. And so the, the second one I had was definitely confirmed that my heart had stopped. Um, not for very long. It was only like 10 or 15 minutes, but yeah. those minutes were long minutes. <laughs> yes, of course. Yeah. So that was uh, the technical validation. The first one actually was more, um, it was more profound. My first, let's just call it out-of-body experience in 1979 was more profound and was the basis of what I've been researching and committed to since then. Wow. So, okay. You know what I want? Let's talk about your childhood without giving away, you know, your book. And then let's lead up to your near-death experiences because, you know, Childhood is extremely important. I tell a lot of my clients and and listeners that, you know, if you really want to learn your child and kind of have an idea on why they're here, pay attention to them when they're young. okay? Okay. And I know when I was younger, I had, you know, I used to get teased by my family because I would pick up on vibration of animals. I could hear animals. I can also sometimes hear plants, you know, like like literally. And so. If you can just go, let's talk a little bit before we go into the break, a little bit about your childhood. You know, did you ever know as a child that you were different or any of those around you? Did they ever know that you were different? Definitely. And I and I love it that you've also uh, had the courage to to speak out about your your childhood. I'm, I'm a father and I'm so proud to have a, a 12 year old daughter. And I remember those early years and her looking out in the backyard and her eyes following a little being that I also could see. And it's kind of a full circle. When I was a child growing up, I know we only have a few minutes, but I did see all kinds of things, uh, nature spirits and plant davis and uh, auras on people. And eventually I realized that, at least in my day, that was very unique, very odd, and, and perhaps I was crazy. So I did tend to not talk too much about it. Really? Okay. And you know what? I did that too, because, well, when I finally first talked about it, okay, I used to, you know, sometimes when you, when you're driving and then there's roadkill in the middle of the road, my mother would pass up the roadkill and I would literally feel the vibration of that that animal and kind of feel like what they went through. And I, my mother would tell would tell you, you know, as a child, I would be in the backseat going crazy. And I would say, don't you leave this animal. Don't you leave this animal. It got so bad that every time we came across an animal in the street, my mother would call the Humane Society, um, you know, to come and pick the animal up. And they knew my mother. They knew, <laughs> they knew my mother. That's beautiful, actually. Of course, the, you know, death, but just to be that sensitive, and here you are spreading that love and, and sensitivity and, and compassion through the airwaves here. You're, yeah. you're fantastic. Yeah, you know what? And so are you. And that's why I like to have those that who can, you know, 
the who are in parallel with me, especially when it comes to vibrations on, you know, here on the show, because, you know, we're not alone. We're definitely not alone. And what I want to tell my listeners is when we come back, we're going to talk just a little bit more about um, Mr. Williams childhood. I'm going to just go into, you know, a little bit more because I want to know how did you know? So, you know, that you knew that you were different. And, you know, how did you start, you know, owning up to it? That's what I want to get to. So you guys just stay tuned because we'll be right back again. And we're going to talk more about love is the power. We haven't even gotten into that just yet. Stay connected with DIA 6 for more information on practical tips, proven strategies and healthy techniques right here on Face to Face Healthy Relationship Talk Radio. ladies, have you ever wanted to create a successful platform and a voice for yourself? Do you believe in leadership, diversity, and equality? If you're between the ages of 18 to 30, by October, Miss Indigenous International Beauty Pageant invites you. Come compete and represent your country in the only pageant glorifying women with natural hair and beauty. And the first to do it globally. Teach the world while serving your community. Imagine yourself being the planet's Miss Indigenous. Finally, the luxurious feeling of being a real beautiful woman. Hurry, space is limited. Go to MissIndigenous.com and apply now. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. According to a Gallup poll, 56% of Americans want to lose weight. Most of us know that muscle burns more calories than fat. So when you're trying to lose weight, you want to lose body fat while preserving the muscle you have. Lifting weights while you're losing weight is not an option. It's a requirement. According to a Penn State study, when dieters don't pump iron, 22% of their weight loss comes from losing muscle. So if you lose 20 pounds without lifting weights, almost 5 pounds will be muscle. Upping your protein intake is important. And Columbia University researchers found that protein intake plays a significant role preserving lean muscle mass during weight loss. Preserve your muscle as you drop the body fat. I'm Annette Hammond. Like us on Facebook at Fitness Minute with Annette Hammond. Baby, I've been thinking about you. Now, back to the only show educating you with the face-to-face system and opposites attract connection. Here's your host, Daia Six. <laughs> okay. All right, you guys. So before the break, we were um, talking about Robert. Will- we we're talking to Robert Williams, and um, I want to go a little bit, Mr. Williams, into you know. You said 1979. You went all the way back to 1979. I mean, I was born. I'm not trying to tell my age, but <laughs> I was I was born in the 70s, and you said that you know you saw auras, and um, you said, did you say nature spirits? Is that nature the word? Nature spirits. Yeah. Well. I was born in the 50s, and I will give my age away. You're very, very young. And, uh-huh. uh, and certainly uh, in the 50s and, and early 60s, nobody talked about uh, other yeah. sides or other domains, spirits, uh, fairies, uh, without getting into trouble. So, it, uh, so I didn't really have names for them until later. They were just 
in the backyard and around where I was living. One in particular, though, did have a name, and he gave it to me. His name was Jing. He mm. was one of the most um, uh, re- he, he was more he was less translucent and more physical, and would visit me almost daily in the backyard. And he began to show me around, whereas the other spirits were just doing their own thing and around the plants and flinging around here and there. But this one particularly was with me and showed me around. And he was very careful to show me certain things that would happen during the day. For instance, when when it rained, he would take me right into that place in the backyard where I could see the rainbow. And he got so excited because it wasn't sometimes the rainbows were, you know, you had to get into that right position. He would take me right there. And then, well, as a teacher, he would show me that the rainbows appeared when it was raining and the sunlight was hitting it just right. Then my mom put the sprinkler in the backyard and he got very excited. Like, remember the rainbow? Now, look, here it is again. And this time we're creating it ourselves. It's it's just there with the sprinklers. And his message in that particular analogy was that there are always things that we cannot see that are always there. And it only takes a state of consciousness and certain conditions for those things to appear, such as the rainbow. I mean, you and I can make a rainbow literally right now if we had water and sunlight and we'd see those colors. The colors are everywhere, just needs the proper environmental conditions and the rainbow shows up that's a great analogy for life because there are things that are intrinsic that we're born with and we're going to talk about love and that's one of those intrinsic birthrights that we all are and with and receiving and giving all the time it's a it's a wonderful reality and i did learn about it by going on the other side several times but back to these spirits, they are around us. And my daughter, I mentioned before, uh, can see them and, and still sees them. And she's 12. I think one of the things that is unfortunate is because of the, um, I suppose, the consensus that if you see things that others can't, you must be crazy. Right. Uh, that, that actually discourages our own curiosity to pursue what we are seeing in the woods and in, in, nat- in natural environments ourselves because you know we'd have to break away from consensus of our families but i know that that's changing what you just said is is uh proof of that your you know your your um, mother or grandmother i can't remember was was conscious of your sensitivity and respected those sensitivities that's a step in the right direction yeah you know what my mother was right my mother was my grandmother called me loony okay (laughs) there you go so I had, you know, and, and, you know, my mother, she has always been like such a big support, but I, I see why now, you know, I came through my mother and not my grandmother, right? No telling how much she would have destroyed me because that woman, oh my gosh, she's a piece of work, you know? And, but yeah, it was my mother that actually really, you know, um, um, helped me with that. And I will tell you this, you know, and I grew up thinking that I was going to be a veterinarian because, you know, I was so sensitive to animals, you know? And, I couldn't do it because, you know, veterinarians have to castrate, you know, animals and do certain things that to me was inhumane. And it wasn't the procedure that really 
got to me, it was the energy I picked up from the animal while it was happening, you see. So I had to forfeit being a veterinarian because of that, you know. You're so, more of a horse whisperer. You're more of a hands-on healer, you know. And yeah. That's, that's so valuable. You know what? I've owned up to that because I will, and I, I'll say this, Robert, I had, I denounced my, I denounced all this because it was coming too quick, too fast. And I felt like I was going crazy because I didn't know how to handle it. And you know what? This is my very first time talking about it on the show. I think, <laughs> I think this is the very first time Tell us more. that I talked about it on the show, but you know, um, but no, cause I really want to get back to you, but there was, um, you know, I would see things that would happen literally seconds, minutes, and sometimes weeks before an incident happened. And I kept saying, oh, my God, it was just way too much. I was, you know, I was just, you know, being, um, I just stepped into parenthood. It was so much more going on. So I denounced it. But then next thing you know, the universe have a way of turning you right back around and boom, here it comes again. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. So, indeed. you know, and your daughter, how did you know that your daughter had, now, wait a minute. Hold on. So you're clairvoyant? I am. Okay. So, and your daughter is clairvoyant? Yes. Okay. So how did you know that your daughter was clairvoyant? Because when, it, when she was, gosh, I should know this, maybe three, mm -hmm. she was able to w walk around. <clears throat> maybe two, maybe three. And <clears throat> we had a big backyard and she, and I would see a nature spirit. Uh, they are attracted to innocence and beauty, such as always is the case with young children and actually everyone. But in this case, they would kind of run up and, and be around her while she was in the backyard. I would see them. And, and then I noticed that she was looking right at them. So it was just a, it was a, a wonderful, another confirmation of the so-called unseen world and these uh, beings that are always with us. And so I would just play with my daughter and we'd play with these spirits and they'd come and go and I would watch your eyes, you know, following one across the backyard and I'd watch and we'd look at each other, my daughter and I. So that's how I found out. And later I, um, unlike, uh, well, your grandmother was like my mother. She thought I was crazy and thought oh. I, you know, she needed to, we actually went to a psychiatrist and all that stuff because he was seeing things that nobody else, I think he's really crazy. You know, he must be mentally ill. He's yeah. seeing things. But we, I got through that and thank goodness we're, we're, uh, we've evolved to a, a more open uh, state of possibilities. And so I just wanted to, to reach out any of your viewers that have seen and kind of been hiding this little secret that they see auras or they have premonitions and clairvoyance. You're not alone. And this is a valuable gift. It's, I, I think we all have that capability to one degree or the other, mm -hmm. but, um, to, to, to think yourself as crazy or a misfit or something like that is just, you don't have to do that. In fact, just the opposite. These are the, the days of, of, uh, opening up more and more rainbows where we haven't been able to see them before. Yeah. Now, my question to you is this. Now, you started at a very young age being clairvoyant, right? Now, yeah. how did the near-death experiences come along? Do you think, because see, I'm, try I'm trying to um, put it all together. Most people will have, you know, something traumatic happen, and then they will kind of develop certain, you know, powers or, 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 or certain certain other aspects of them, you know, but you mm -hmm. were a child and you were clairvoyant as a child. So you had a near death, near death experience at what age? 
you know what? I've never thought about it, but my mom and dad, when I was born, I was a blue baby. You know that expression? So I was, I was not alive when I was right, right when I was born. And it was in those days, everybody freaked out and, and uh, they started to, whatever, I, I started to breathe again. But mm -hmm. may, maybe that had something to do with my, my mm -hmm. third eye being open. I'm not sure. I just assume that all children have it. And then they, they, uh, they don't trust it and they, they let that uh, ability go. But it's a good question. It's a good question. I don't know. I, I did have the near-death experience in 1979. I was born in 1954, so there was a, a lot of time between. And the, the near-death experience in 1979 was so dramatic and so unmistakable that it, it, uh, it, it, it was referencing a lot of the things that I grew up seeing, but in a much more clear and profound way and, and in many ways completely appropriate for my life and what's going on on the planet right now. Okay. Now, do you see auras in everyone? Have you always seen auras in everyone or just particular yeah, people? I have, you know, and it's, uh, it's kind of like I, I once, uh, uh, well, I still have a really good dentist. This guy, you'd think he was clairvoyant because you walk in and he could look at your jaw and just tell you exactly what's going on in your life. And I go, you know, Dr. Smith, are you clairvoyant? How did you know all that stuff? He says, no, no, I just know that the jaw, when it's over here, when you're clenching, this and that. And, you know, he was able to perfect his profession of dentistry to the point where he could just look and see things that other people couldn't see. So in a way, clairvoyance for most of my life was like that. I, I didn't know how to interpret it mm -hmm. until after this 1979 experience. I was seeing auras all the time. I could interpret a few things. Like when my father got really mad, I would see this deep red color. And when when people were loving, I saw this gold kind of uh, beautiful color. So a, a few things were obvious, but everyone had these colors and they were always changing and dark things here and there that I just thought at first everyone was seeing that. It was just like seeing somebody's clothes or, you know, little birthmarks or something. You just, it's just part of life. And I wasn't that... Uh, I actually wasn't that intrigued by them until later. Oh, yeah, because it was just normal for you. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yep, I get it. I get that. Oh, my God, I so get that. Yeah, okay. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, That. you know what? And that makes a lot of sense. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so when did you have or when did you get the message about love that actually got you into writing the book, Love is the Power? And I'm going to ask you that now. And of course, I'm going to ask you that again when we come on from our break, because a lot of us know what we know the word love. Right. We can we have an idea what love should be. Some of us, some of us don't, you know, um, and, and, you know, to me, love is one of the most tasteful words on the planet. You know, when you have love, you have everything else. But some of us don't know how to love. We can say it, we think we're doing it, but a lot of times we're not. Stay connected with DIA 6 for more information on practical tips, proven strategies, and healthy techniques right here on Face to Face Healthy Relationship Talk Radio.
Attention, ladies. Would you like to create a platform for your success? When you look in the mirror, what do you see? Intelligence, a leader, or trendsetter? What about a queen? Well, if you're between the ages of 18 to 30 by October, Miss Indigenous International Beauty Pageant is looking for you to come represent your country. It's the only pageant glorifying women with natural hair and beauty and the first to do it globally. Come create value a difference while serving your community. Finally, the luxurious feeling of being a real beautiful woman. Hurry, space is limited. Beat the early bird deadline. Go to www.missindigenous.com. Apply now. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. The Mayo Clinic says one of the best strategies to combat excess weight in your child is to improve the diet and exercise levels of your entire family. This helps protect the health of your child now and in the future. Most excess weight is caused by kids eating too much and exercising too little. Children, unlike adults, need extra nutrients and calories to fuel their growth and development. So if they consume the calories needed for daily activities, growth, and metabolism, they add pounds in proportion to their growth. The children who eat more calories than needed gain weight beyond what's required to support their growing bodies. The CDC states that obese children and adolescents are more likely to become obese as adults. One study found that approximately 80% of children who were overweight at ages 10 to 15 years were obese adults at age 25. I'm Annette Hammond. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert Annette Hammond. According to Eat This, Not That, Americans now consume an average of 300 calories a day more than we did in 1985. Watching your portion sizes is a wise practice and can really make a difference in your weight. Eating less is not depriving or painful. According to Men's Health Magazine, Penn State did a study where researchers found that subjects ate 30% more food when presented with bigger portions. The interesting thing is that their perceived fullness didn't change when they ate smaller portions. It takes less food than you probably think to fill your stomach. An average human stomach is about the size of a closed adult fist and holds about two liters. It doesn't take a lot of food to fill it up. Two small portions eat slowly and make it a point to eat less. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Baby, I've been thinking about you. Now, back to the only show educating you with the face-to-face system and opposites attract connection. Here's your host, Daia Six. You guys, we are back. Oh my goodness, with author Robert Williams. And we're going now we're gonna get into the love part, you guys. Um, okay, Robert, you ready? I am ready. Okay, so when we talk about love, right? What I guess my question is, you know, what is the state of love? What is what is being in a loving state? Maybe there we go. What is being in a loving state? Because a lot of people don't know, a little confused. Well, it's one of those wonderful words that depending upon what state you're in, what state of consciousness, the definition changes. I, I, uh, when I was in those other realms after my near-death experience, there was a place that I call complete 
light, complete love. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was undescribable with any other word. There's no, you know, it's like love, what goes, what's above that? It's just more love and unconditional love, you could say. So when I talk about love, I include all the other qualities of love. I have a, my, my 12-year-old has a little a folder on her iPhone that says, cute boys I love. <laughs> so, okay. Okay. So, you know, I'm not going to say you don't love them. You know, it is a, you know, we, we all, <laughs> so I, uh, you know, I was a good father. I didn't destroy that. I didn't trash her file. You know, yeah. she's got pictures, yeah. you know, whatever. But um, we, we, love is one of those things that we can grow and it still works. That word still works. So there is a state where there is no fear because we've already reconciled this dilemma of life and death. And although uh, when we lose a loved one, a loved one, we, we will grieve. And it's a, it's a terrible experience. Uh, and I've gone through it many times with people. And especially when a child dies and you don't understand it, how can that be? Right. But there is, a, there is an essence that is always there and always uh, a source of understanding, even if the words don't come to our minds in a, in a logical way, a source of forgiveness, even if we can't stand to think about what happened, and a source of compassion. And uh, it's a relationship. It's the most fundamental relationship. Your, soul, your, your show is about soul relationships and, and relationships at the basis. If we kind of like, who are we? We back up. Who, who's thinking right now? Who's listening? Right. Who is feeling? Who? What are the sensations? If we, even just a, that's kind of a technique. If we just ask those questions, there's always something greater than what is being experienced. Right. And when we're completely free of forgetting that we are love or forgetting that we are unbounded, then. Uh, then we have that love. It's, it's, it's all the time. Mm-hmm. It's the closest thing that I can um, give as an example is mother's love. When a, when a child is born and a mother is there, especially in those first, in those first years, yes. she's not thinking, what am I going to get out of this deal here? You know, right? <laughs> what's in it for me? You know, why right. should I, it, it's just an automatic, it's, it's yeah. silly to even think. And I'm sure there's some horrible exceptions in history, but but that mother's love is doesn't have to be learned. It doesn't have to be taught. It doesn't have to even be understood. Mm-hmm. It is. And when the child cries, the mother holds the child to her heart. Yeah. And a lot of times that's that is the most important gift in those early years is that unconditional love. Certainly the child has to be fed and nourished and all that. The father has to protect and love as well, but it's that that heart relationship, literally right on the mother's heart in those early years, that actually form a understanding of what unconditional love is. So we have that, whether it, it comes in different degrees, like you said. So I'm talking about a state of consciousness that includes all the other um our, our alertness, if there's danger, if we're always with that love, it doesn't mean 
somebody can just run in and, and, you know, steal all of our stuff or hurt us. It means Mm -hmm. that we know how to respond appropriately in those situations. We can defend ourselves. We can help our children. It also doesn't mean I'm going to love you today if you do this for me and that's the subconscious working. That's part of it. We can explore those variations of consciousness at the fundamental level. There is a love, and you could say it's divine love. That is the, our own essence. And uh, more than any time in the past, I believe that essence is is more uh, available to us. And that gets into my little story about this time of Earth. But I just wanted to clarify. That's what I mean when I talk about love. And I think that's what you mean as well. It is. And, you know, I tell a lot of my listeners, you know, especially when they come to me with relationship issues and problems and they want to solve them. I say, well, first of all, are you a parent? A lot of them are. So I say, well, have you learned how to love your husband, your wife, your spouse, the way you've loved your child? Mm. And a lot of them say no. I said, then what, why do you think that is? Why is it that you can love your child unconditionally, but when it comes to your lover or your husband or your wife, you limit yourself. And we have to learn how to start loving our, the people that we're in relationships with, like we love our children because our children, they can do wrong, but it doesn't matter what they do. We're still going to love them no matter what, you know? Yeah. 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 So and then, oh, and this is what I want to ask you, because most people will have only one near death experience. You've had a few, a couple. How many have you had? I've had three that were were major ones. Uh huh. Then um, I actually learned. Here's my, you know, uh, confession. I, Uh I learned between 1979 and 1985 to consciously go through what they call the death porthole. And so that's something, you know, don't do this at home. But because I was so liberated from that 1979 experience, and I knew there wasn't really uh, a a permanent death, there was a change of form, there was a change of environment and Mm -hmm. time, the time factor comes in. But I would sit and I would uh, meditate and I'd say prayers. And I would locate um, what I was resisting. And instead of trying to patch that up or do anything with it, I would go deeper and deeper and deeper. And eventually it would lead to a very primal fear that I had. And eventually it would actually lead to just the fear of death and the body's resistance to stopping its life force, which is of course what we want. We want to continue living. So this is where right. it gets yes. a talk about you know, <laughs> This yes. is a beautiful, our, our bodies are our temples, and this is a golden age of li- aliveness in our bodies. But I was ab- able to, for whatever reason, able to go through that, that porthole and uh, communicate with other beings and see other things and then come back into my body. And uh, a few people that were with me at that time said that my body you know, looked like it was dead. And again, I wasn't in the hospital, but I would, they couldn't see a breath. So that was another phase of my life was going in and out of that porthole and and understanding this condition we are all experiencing together as human beings and just understanding the whole cause and effect and why people die and when they die and what's behind all that. 
Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think that that's very important that you mention that. And I say that because, you know, some people will have outer body experiences, you know, where they literally see themselves, you know, lying in the bed or or see themselves sitting in a chair, you know, things like that. And I mean, if that that's never happened to me, but if that did, I would assume that, you know, I passed over. Right. But being that it happened to you a few times, do you think every time that it happened to you that you be that you became a little bit more liberated when you returned back into your vessel? Yeah, because when I came back, it wasn't because of a desire to come back. Mm -hmm. It wasn't because I was afraid. It was it just happened. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I call grace. Yeah. Yeah. It is it is a, it is the divine it's the higher intelligence the higher scheme of things the divine plan if you will but it was more much more than my mind my personality my set of emotions all my stories you know I'm this and that much more than that and we are all much more all those things are included but we're so much more and yes when I would would I would surrender to God completely and I was willing to die not only that i was willing to be anything at his or her as a combination any as they willed i i didn't have any attachments so uh uh when i would come back into my body and open my eyes then i felt that i was here for a purpose and it was via grace that i started to breathe again it wasn't because of my fear or my unfulfilled desires or anything like that it was just grace now now i've i've grown and i've learned that i was incomplete during those years mm-hmm. some would say i was just in my upper chakras i didn't have any uh, personal desire i mean i ate and walked around and did basic stuff but i was always just in these other worlds and serving and i did a lot of healing and a lot of work for others. I didn't have anything. I didn't have a personal desire. So I actually, yeah. Wait, when we come back, we're going to talk because I I know people want to know, what did you see when you were on the other side? You guys stay tuned. We'll be back with Robert Williams. Oh my goodness. Stay connected with DIA 6 for more information on practical tips, proven strategies, and healthy techniques. Right here on Face to Face Healthy Relationship Talk Radio. It's words you never heard. Did you hear about the Ohio woman who received three speeding tickets in one hour? Three different officers had no idea that within an hour, they had all pulled over the same woman driving random tandem down the road. She was first pulled over for speeding at 11.40 p.m. About 10 minutes later, another officer stopped her for speeding wiki-wiki again on the same road. Less than an hour later, she was pulled over for the third time. In each case, she was driving a bit ram-stam or reckless at more than 50 miles per hour in a 35-mile-per-hour zone. Oddly enough, she hadn't had a speeding ticket for six years. She explained each time that she just wasn't paying attention. I guess the third time wasn't a charm. What's another word for not paying attention? Rattleopsing. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word. 
It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Have you ever wondered what happens in your body when you exercise? Discovery Health explains that the muscles provide the strength, power, and endurance to do the movements and exercises. Enzymes within the muscles mobilize various fuels to provide ATP to meet the energy demands of the working muscle. The heart and the blood vessels increase the blood flow to deliver more oxygen to the working muscles. And the lungs increase the rate of breathing to deliver more oxygen to the muscle. The more often you exercise, the more conditioned you become. On the other hand, lack of training causes them to atrophy. So don't settle for being a couch potato. It's time to get your body moving. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. To hear other fitness and weight loss tips, visit our website at AnnetteHammond.com. Back to the only show educating you with the face-to-face system and opposites attract connection. Here's your host, Daia Six. Oh my goodness, you guys! This is going by so quick and so fast. Now, before we came up onto the break, you know, I asked Mr. Williams, you know, what is it like? What did he see when he was? You know what? Before. Let me let me clarify because I want to I want to have the correct wording for it. The cre- correct wording for it is it going into other dimensions? Is that what it is or no? That's one way to describe it. That is okay. Different dimensions, different domains, domains. different realities, different mm-hmm. realities. You could say. Mm-hmm. 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 So when you were when you let's let's talk about your first experience. Your first experience, did it shock you? Was Were you nervous? Were you scared? Were you intimidated? What were some of the feelings that was going through your body when it first happened? So in 1979, I had uh, struggled with, a, with some kind of a disease, and I later found out what that was. But at the time, the doctors had no clue. And for two, three years, I kept going for blood tests and and my organs one by one just started to shut down. So after two years of seeing every doctor and healer I could, I could find, they finally said, well, Robert, well, I'm six foot three and I was down to 118 pounds, really thin, you know, and I wasn't digesting anything. And they said, if you keep going the way you're going here, you know, degressing that you'll be dead, you'll be dead in six months. So we need to put you in the hospital right away. We don't know what we're going to do, but we just want you in the hospital. And that was a turning point because I just knew not to do that. I just, I don't have anything against hospitals, folks. But No, that, I get it. I, I get it. I get yeah, it. <laughs> I and so I really, really they just let go. I, I had been meditating. I had seen other beings and, and believed in a higher source of love. I just, I kept taking vitamin C, little things like that. But I just let go. And then one morning I was struggling to get to the bathroom and either I tripped and fell and, and knocked myself out or I passed out. I'm not sure. I had a blackout there, but I remember seeing my body on the bathroom floor and then leading into your other question. Um, that was my first experience out of my body in that moment. And then my second experience was a kind of a thought like I'm dying, I'm dying. And I had no resistance, no resistance whatsoever. I just surrendered, and the next experience was complete light, like we mentioned earlier. Just this 
unconditional. It was full light. And I didn't, didn't know it was light until I became just a bit separated from it. And then I, it's like waking up from a dream. Oh, yeah, that was a really good dream. So there's a kind of a, a hint as to why we are incarnated, why we are seemingly separate. It's because yeah. you, you have to have some kind of perceiver, that which is being perceived, and some mechanism in between, and that glorifies the whole reality. So I was separate from the light. A being showed up and said that I had a choice. And I said, you know, and my, my thought was, why would I not want to go back into that freedom, that beautiful, ecstatic love? Yeah. And he said, well, I had a purpose to go back into my physical body. Mm-hmm. So I knew what choice. So I, I, I said, okay. And so that's when I saw all these different dimensions. I, I uh, came back into my body, mm-hmm. dimension, dimension, dimension at a time. And saw wonderful things, which I write about in my book. But there was a, a place of symbols and art and geometries that I saw, yeah. which later I developed into technologies for enhancing our own connection with self um, and enhancing our own physical heart uh, strength. And so we can get to that. I also... I, I'll tell you this. Technology, the mo- but wait a minute. Yeah. Technology. You know what? And I did read upon that, Robert. We're definitely going to have to, oh my God, bring you on to even talk about that technology. Just that's that's a whole nother segment. You know what I mean? That's because, yeah. I mean, oh my God. Talk about, you know, gadgets that energy have, electricity, electrical currents, you know, things like that. Interesting. Very interesting. Okay. Yeah. And, you know, we all can find those places. You know, Einstein used to get get stumped, and he'd go out and just play the violin. You know these stories? Go out, play the violin, and go rowing boats. So here's a hint. If you want to get come up with a solution, or you want to have an insight, or you just can't figure out how to solve a problem in your life, yeah. have those moments. You know this. Have those moments where you're doing, doing something completely unrelated to the so-called problem or challenge. And... Then it just comes to us. So there is actually a domain in our consciousness that has inherent solutions to all the problems, which is why it is so important for us to have this understanding of love. Because the, the, we need, you know, there's a lot of problems. There's a lot of cruelty and suffering mm-hmm. on this planet. Mm-hmm. And what I believe is that as we raise consciousness and as we become more um, familiar with our own hearts and unconditional love, then these solutions are right there along with that field of energy. It's a, it, we have these insights and a mother always knows what's wrong, you know, what to do. And you know that if you're a nine-year-old, I bet you if your nine-year-old fell and hurt his foot right now, you would kind of like, wait a minute, you know? So we have that ability. Yeah. Not only for mothers and childs, but as a whole human race. Yeah, 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 yeah. I can agree with that. Now, this is now this is going to be a tricky question. You ready for this? I am ready. Ready. <laughs> what do? Because we know that love is the solution. But how do you go about loving someone that has possibly physically hurt you, or you know? Because I, I'm even I'm battling with that myself. I'm human. And there is one particular person on this planet that I just cannot stand. I just cannot stand this being because he has shown himself over and over and over to me. Uh, physical harm, 
emotional harm, you know, verbal harm. And it's just like, get away. Don't ever come back again, you know? And I'm battling on how to deal with that because the part of me really wants to love, but it goes danger. Don't you dare do that. So here, here is my answer. Okay. So you are feeling, let's do this right now. You're feeling that anger, right? Mm-hmm. So go to that anger and just allow your own anger to be there. Right. In other words, love, which is, it's unconditional love. You're not trying to get rid of the anger. You're not trying to fix it. Not trying to actually intensify it. You're there with your own anger. You're loving that anger. That's the practice. And, and yeah. you love who you are, including that anger and those horrible, th- you know, whatever the despair, the anger, the ferocity, the uh, sadness around it. You love those. So that's where you love. That's love. And then yeah. as those wounds heal up because of your own love, then it goes to him as well. And he gets okay. transformation as well. But you don't have to go to him directly and love him at this point. Yeah. And you know what? I'm happy that you said that because I do feel that it's very important for you to own the emotions that are happening to you right then and there. Now, before we forget, uh, Mr. Williams, please tell everyone where they can find you. Loveisthepower.com. Oh, nice. Power.com. And and that's where they can find your book, of course, right? You're um you're on Amazon too. Yes. Yes, you're on Amazon too. All right. Well, that is that's that's fantastic. That's great. And you know, we're definitely already going to have to bring you back on the show to even talk I'd about. Yeah, because you know when we're talking about things that help the heart, so many people die from broken hearts. You it's know. So, so- Really, really, truly. Okay, and before, because, you know, we're coming up to the end, you guys. I know this went by so quick and so fast. What did you see when you had your out-of-body experience? What were some of the things that you saw that um, you knew that you were in a safe place besides the light? Were there entities? Were there, you know, you know, some people say when you cross over or, you know, you're in other domains, you see counselors, you see, you can see people. Sometimes people see animals. What exactly were some of the physicalities that you saw? I, I saw uh, all of those. I saw yeah. all of those. <laughs> and, yeah. And yeah, we have guides. I saw my own angelic guides and there's archangels and there's other beings. This is a uh, a very vast universe and it's full of life and full of love and there's a very special thing happening with humans we are definitely not alone and we can talk more about that next time if you want and I'll, let me just end with back in my body when I got back in my body I heard the, the uh, birds outside I heard the ocean we were, we were in Santa Barbara beautiful and that, and that relationship with nature at that moment, was completely unified with all of us. In other words, we are nature. We have the same intelligence that's governing all those things happening on this planet automatically is who we are as well. And that's the epiphany, knowing that we are not separated from nature at all. We are co-creating with nature. And that basis is really for a liberated, loving society of 
human beings that are creating in their own unique ways at the same time. Yeah. That's where we're going. I get that. And that's why I always tell people you're never alone. Even when you feel you're alone, you're never alone. That is beautiful. That is so, that is just absolutely wonderful. Um, And I want to thank you for coming onto the show, you know, to confirm a few things on what you've experienced, you know, um, you know, the lessons that you got from it, you know, the whole night, because these are the type of things I think that humanity needs to hear more of. And I think if we learn to accept that we have this understanding with the universe and this power that simultaneously we can start developing them a little bit more and a little bit more often. Oh my God. Can you imagine how tasteful the world would be if we all did that? Oh my goodness. (laughs) Okay. So, and now also um, I'm going to ask you one more question. How long was it before you decided to share your information with the world from 1979, from your first experience. And then we got to go. We literally have 30 almost, seconds. Go for almost it. 30 years. And I'm going to add something to the previous question. There's a law that your spirit guides and your angels cannot help you without you asking. So, so don't hesitate. All, all of your listeners, ask for help. That's where prayer comes in. Just say, Spirit guide or whatever you want to call that, ask for help. Then they can help you more. All right. Ah, oh my God, you guys are running out of time, you guys. Also, this is the end of it. You guys say goodbye to Robert Williams, the author of Love is the Power. Go pick up his book. We'll be right for next week, you guys. Love you all. As Daia continues to give practical tools for simple, healthy, face-to-face relationship living. Remember, relationships aren't hard if you have the proper tools to build you a solid foundation. Don't forget to visit facingrelationships.com for further assistance. That's www.facingrelationships.com.